The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. Your mother likes listening to podcasts. My mother likes listening to podcasts. That's totally super. Hi, welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And hey, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, we have a new format that we are we are trying out, where we do uh, where we separate out our review of a superhero movie into two different sections, allowing us uh, a full podcast to deal with different aspects. Last week, we talked about... Uh, the reviews for totally for totally the reviews for Batman v Superman, uh, how it did at the box office, sort of the our personal history with it, and we got into the plot, uh, deciding on our favorite parts of the plot with Arthur saying that uh, that his favorite part of the plot was um the, the his was sort of the machinations and the whys that things uh, were happening. I enjoyed the uh, I, I enjoyed very much the courtroom drama aspect of it and the and the pew pew fight fight. Um, but we decided at that point that we couldn't go much further without going into the second aspect of the, po- uh, of the podcast, which is very, very important as we go character by character through Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice and, and figure out what about it is, uh, is, is driven by, sorry, it was driven by the characters. Um, now when I think it comes that, to the, yeah, please go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I, I, I was just going to say, I think that the most important character that we could kind of look at in this is the new one introduced Batman, but I want to see what you're, where, where you're going to. I'd be- before we go, like, obviously, we got to talk about Batman, we got to talk about Superman, we got to talk about Lex Luthor. But the one burning question that I have for you for this that I've been wondering is, in Man of Steel, even though neither of us liked that film a ton, we both agreed that the film actually did right by the character of Lois Lane. Do you feel that this film does the same? Like, how how do you feel Lois uh, is treated by this film? Well, I think it's an accurate portrayal of early Lois Lane. Um, in that she falls off things and screams a lot. Um, I don't think so it's an accurate much. portrayal. I, I I don't think it's an accurate portrayal of modern Lois Lane, um, who is a uh, is a thoughtful, intelligent, powerful woman on her own. Um, and in that way, the only way you can you can refer to Lois Lane in in this film is backward. They start off giving you some cool things she's doing. She's like, it seems you know, she's very. I mean, she she's kind of Margot Kidder, is she not? She's like like yeah. she's Margot Kidder, at the beginning of Superman too. Yeah, she's doing something important, but very soon she becomes a dazzle, a damsel, and it takes only thirty minutes before she's naked in a bathtub. Like it's we can we can talk a little. I guess we can talk uh, very briefly because I I don't want to belabor the point um but this because again this film is equal opportunity gives us a lot of man meat to look at but i feel like the man meat has a reason they're trying to show how strong batman is because you're trying to justify that he could fight superman do the things he does Mm -hmm. so i don't feel like the man meat shots are necessarily as is you know i've I, I've said before, um, I had this conversation with um, with an actress the other day who, who who we were talking very much about the way men and women are portrayed in films. And I'm not above enjoying an exploitation film here and there uh, from time to time. Um, I would like it to be, I think The Witcher is 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 necessarily an exploitation uh, thing. Game of Thrones could be a little bit, but it's it's The, the Witcher, as soon as they're going to show a naked woman of The Witcher, they're also going to show Henry Cavill all laid out as well, mm-hmm. you know, give, give the ladies a little something to look at. This didn't feel that That's way. That's true. The Witcher like, is very, it, it's equal opportunity exploitation there. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a place for that. 
I think that this is like, look at the skin of the man to show how strong the man is. And also, isn't it cool to get these very, very male gazy shots of women? Um, there's no reason. It's, that's interesting. That Lois I Lane needed the, the to be at a bathtub scene. That. Didn't the bathtub scene didn't jar me that way? Like the like because and which is interesting because normally I have a pretty big meter for that. Um, to me, the bathtub scene was actually it it showed domestic Lois and Clark. I actually enjoyed the bathtub scene. Um, the I don't I you know Clark mm, Clark getting in the bathtub with her. There was a like it, it, it was a stupid. very playful was, relationshipy moment. I, I, I here's the thing. One, I feel it's ridiculous. I would hate to be their landlord and the people living under them um well, another like, is that seriously yeah. like like you're, you're just gonna climb in a bathtub with your clothes on and spill it over this is ridiculous and nobody does that and this is as badly written as is anakin and padme rolling in the field it's no it's it's not romantic it's ridiculous nobody does that it's not playful and because of that guess what the first you, time you, i watched you it, think nobody I, does that uh, i i caught myself trying trying to see amy adams nips i'm there's no way to other to say it that the the male gaze in me was like ooh look and then as i'm catching myself doing it huh. i'm going like uh i'm going like oh oh yeah it wants me to do that that's what it's trying to do it's putting them just out of ju- just out of out of it's teasing me are you going to see something are you going to see something it's doing that deliberately and for a character that was portrayed as being strong, I didn't need to see her pretty much topless in the film. Like, like it's, it's, I was not sexualizing Lois Lane until that moment. And now I am. And we can, you know, we're going to be on the topic. That's so interesting. Cause like, I, I, that's just a, that's different experiences. Cause nothing about that scene sexualized Lois Lane to me. It I was, to me, it was much more of just a revelation of the, uh, of the, of a playful nature of the relationship between the two of them that I liked. I then mean, put her me, in fucking sweatpants you, to, to me, putting her in situation, hair. putting putting her in situations where she needs to be rescued by Superman, I think, was a far worse thing to do to Lois Lane's character than you know than having her take a bath. I I think that that they are part and parcel of of the problem that I have with the treatment of women in this film. Um, Holly Hunter excluded, who I think is a is is a great. Actually, I love Holly Hunter in this film. Um, uh, but everyone else, um, especially Amy Adams, who who falls off buildings, screams, is weakened in that way. And yeah, by the way, let's also see her naked in a bathtub. Like you can have playfulness as they're cooking dinner. I didn't need to see her in a. I didn't need to see her naked in the bath. Um, mm. um, especially the shots of the. It's, you know what it is? It's not when you first see her. It's the. It's the. The boobs are just underneath where the water is, and maybe you can or can't see over the, uh, through the water, and then she. She's climbing up over the rim of the tub and it's just kind of playing very, you're just almost getting it, but you're not. It's, 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 I feel like the shots themselves are designed to be titillating, especially for, for teenage boys and, and granted grown men, because I was too. And then I caught myself. Um, but then if you, you, you could almost go, it's an accident, but then when you look at the way the camera treats Gal Gadot in this film as well, every costume that she has in this, her, her neckline goes down to her belly button or has under boob or has, you know, when she falls back and she's fighting doomsday, like she's there with her legs all spread open. And it's very interesting. I saw, I've seen a number of, of, of like, like memes that basically compare. Here's how Patty Jenkins shot the director of wonder woman shot uh shot wonder woman doing the same kind of moves the same kind of falls but it's different the camera doesn't linger in certain That's areas an interesting it doesn't comparison I'll, i'd be keen to uh, see that because she's doing the same fighting in the same costume but it's different it's different yeah. she's not again yeah, i mean you get her in a bathrobe and plunging everything all the time and when she finally does show up even when she falls it's kind of like ooh, look at a hot chick 
And I think yeah, that, goodness that knows if there's if there's one thing that we've learned about Snyder, it's sort of it's become one of his uh, modus operandi's is that uh, it is ironically at no time is Snyder more exploitative of women than when he is trying to empower them. Like the sucker punch is just two hours of that exactly. Yeah, it's 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 it is it is problematic. And knowing that Brett Ratner also produced this film, you know, it's again, I think it, it there is there is an element of male gaziness. And it's, you know, I'm really torn because I'm, I'm, I'm a male and I'm gazing and I'm, and I'm like, ooh, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be going ooh at this right now. This is not an ooh moment. This is not that. This is not a film where that's something that I should be feeling and going through. Um, mm-hmm. And I found it distracting. And, and, you know, as a guy who, you know, I'm, there are people out there, I'm sure who are listening and go, yeah, but who doesn't want to see that? Sure. Do I think that Amy Adams is a beautiful woman and the, and the, and the, you know, the jerkhead man in me wants to say but there are places and times to think and feel that. And that's not Lois and that's not Wonder Woman. And that's, that's not how I want to feel about those characters. Those characters are, are icons for women and to see them taken down to becoming victims and 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 being presented sexually is not is not something i feel that this film needed to do and so i want to come straight out and say that but yes i think that she is underserved and that says nothing about amy adams who who pulls it all off with aplomb because she is she is a fantastic actress and Absolutely. I give everything to her for doing as you know, for lending as much inner strength as she can. And I think in every in moment to moment, she lends strength to what's going on. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I feel like the film fails her. So I, we've just, I guess, done her. Let's go back and do some of the other uh, Holly Hunter as um, as what Senator Filch, what, Senator what? What's her name? Senator. I, I think she does a, a Senator Jane Finch. I think she does a good job. Finch, she takes yeah. a character who is, a, you know, a character that is uh, it's a small role. It's not it is not a major aspect of the film. Um, however, the scenes that she are that she is in are quite good. Uh, I think she embodies that role very, very well and infuses. Once she's on screen, there is a there's an air of life and sincerity to what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I found her to be electric. I actually thought that she's one of the best things about this film. Um, uh, I love her speeches. I love her speeches. I love her sort of Southern charm pragmatism to it. Um, and I think that every point that she makes, both her character, not just her performance, Holly Hunter does a great job, but also the character just makes great points. The character is absolutely an antagonist to Superman, but not every antagonist has to be evil. She is Mm -hmm. absolutely anti-Superman with good reason and and without being a bad guy. And it, it, having someone who does that, I think, then brings you, the audience, through the same questions of being like, okay, can I be against Superman's point of view? And 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 to get thoughtful about it. I think that she's necessary, and I really, really, really like her. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Diane Lane, you know, again, becomes a damsel in distress. I guess she does that pretty well. Her, I, I feel like her, her speech to, to Clark of, you don't owe this world anything, again, goes against the mom Pa Kent that we know from the comics. But I could see a mom and a widow saying that to her son, that the world's beaten down. Like I could, I, 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 I'm with her. I'm not totally against you. Yeah. Any strong feelings about Diane Lane in this that you didn't have? No, before? I think that was, yeah, no, the, uh, um, I thought, I think she was fine and, you yeah. know, not necessarily a negative way. It was the, the character didn't give a, I mean, they didn't do a ton with Ma Kent in general, uh, but what they did, I think Diane Lane did, did quite well. I, it makes me think that if they had done a good job of Ma Kent, uh, then Diane Lane would have also filled those shoes quite well too. Like it makes me want to see what else she could have done with the character can i give some shout outs to the character of perry white in this film lawrence fishburne's performance and the character as the jaded newspaper guy as the commentary on what's happening to the news 
and as the jaded newspaper mm-hmm. guy who finally gives in to his his I think that I like this Perry White way more than him in Man of Steel. Yeah. Um I, I like just, his, his he's so still, still not seeing the football. Kent, what's what's going on, Smallville? Like like I I dug him a lot in this role. I want to get your thought of what you thought of the 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 role the role in general, especially as it speaks to the dissolution of newspaper. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it further. I mean, it, this film. There's a lot of disillusionment in this film. There's a one of the under one of the underlying themes in this film is yeah. There's not a lot of trust going on, and things are all kind of falling apart. Like the you know back in the day, newspapers were this thriving thing. Well, now we're just a dinosaur, and we're even admitting that. Uh, back in the day, he, you know, there's almost a sense of, uh, you know, this film is deliberately recalling, you know, the swell years, Main Street, you know, good guy superheroes, uh, and, you know, getting a newspaper for a quarter, and is essentially then saying, yeah, none of that exists anymore. Uh, you know, everyone goes to the, goes online to the news, and even our superheroes can't really be trusted, can they? Yeah, I thought that he, he did a great job embodying that, and, and they could really have been, an, much like uh, Holly Hunter, the Perry White in this film could have been a a nothing role. And I really feel, and he's not in it that much, but I feel like the film's alive when he's in it. I feel like he brings a real electricity to his scenes. I really, really like him in this film. Um, maybe yeah. the best modern Lawrence Fishburne that we've gotten in a while is him in this film. Certainly he's interesting in John Wick, but I feel like he's allowed to play too much in those. Um, I feel like this this sort of hardened character from Lawrence Fishburne is, is real. I just really, really like him in this. Um, yeah. um, I think he adds a lot. Um, of course, the the big interesting choice, or the character with uh, where some of the most interesting choices were made, especially when compared to the original source material, would be Lex Luthor, who I I want to make sure we we need to dedicate some time to talk about this. Yeah. Before we do, there's one more I want to hit. Um, uh, perfect casting for this version of Alfred in Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Like again, like if this is w- uh, if this is what you're gonna do with Alfred, Jeremy Irons pulls it off. Um, I mean, he's always in the Batcave. He probably shot for three days. Uh, mm-hmm. but but I dig this Alfred. It's a different Alfred than we've seen and um yeah well because all the previous Alfreds there's a there's sort of a there's always been a lightness to Alfred of a you know oh Master Bruce sort of thing uh whereas this one much like a lot of the the themes of this film <laughs> this Alfred is beaten down and like you, you see you can see that years and years of working for this Bruce Wayne have really sort of beaten the lightness out of him but he's Bruce's peer and I and I liked that there's a um mm-hmm. You know, I would say the Alfred that's most like this is the Alfred from Gotham, who is a, a great, also a great Alfred. I like kind of badass Alfred, which is the way they've gone in the comics a little bit. Alfred is no longer mm-hmm. the befuddled butler. Like, like, like Alfred, you know, there's a, there's a show, it's either still on TV or it's just canceled, a show called Pennyworth that shows young Alfred that's on TV right now um, mm. as a, as a, as a spy for MI6. Um, I dig this Alfred and I think Jeremy Irons, always a welcome presence, um, especially after doing such a weird take of HBO's Watchmen, um, watching him here in this role. I think that he immediately pulls off, you know, Alfred has maybe 12 lines in the movie and he pulls all of them off and you get exactly where he's coming from on them. And I dig. I dig his offer it. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you, you do you feel like it's a, a step too far? Do you feel like we needed a a softer Alfred to present an alternate? No, take? not in this, not in this film. Um, no, I think it was a. This was an Alfred that perfectly reflected the kind of Batman that we got in this film. Um, okay, so that leaves us with four 
main. Let's start with Gal Gadot as as one. Well, no, uh, we were going to do Lex Luthor. We were saying. Well, I I want to I want to make sure that we have time. Sure. I I want to. I feel like we just need to glance over Gal Gadot um, as um, as as Wonder Woman. We've talked about her in Wonder Woman. I think that she. Um, is such a presence, um, but I think that she is largely eye candy, either big bang boom eye candy or, like I said, male gaze eye candy in this film. Um, I feel like she brings what she can to it. I don't love or hate Wonder Woman of this film. She's powerful and that's great. But I think that, you know, the Wonder Woman is the film to see her be Wonder Woman in um, and Justice League to a certain extent. So this was her introduction it's a powerful enough introduction. It's a great theme song. I love the action that she pulls off. We've talked about her before. Um, she is the perfect Wonder Woman who is mistreated by this film. Can we agree on that? I believe I would agree that her she is unnecessary for the plot in this film. Um, I will say that every scene with her, uh, it was like a it was a breath of fresh air in an otherwise dark film. Uh, Agreed. The pretty much the I think the only time that I actually got chills when watching this, and I do remember I did watch this before I saw Wonder Woman. I think I I watched it like a couple maybe a couple months before Wonder Woman came out uh but the only time that i got chills watching this film was when she first appears as wonder woman blocking the blast from doomsday and we get hit with that first soundtrack uh which by the way let me give a shout out there the soundtrack to this film is wonderful uh overall just really great very evocative music to it um i feel like we don't talk about music that much because frequently good soundtracks are meant to be transparent uh but this one is you know the different themes to the different characters went great and uh you know and her theme when it kicked in absolutely Absolutely, it had nothing to do with this film and was completely setting her up for her own film. It was it was a very studio part of the film, but it was yeah. a, look, it was I, a very I, well done studio part of the film. Well, and and I will say that that it successfully goes. Hey, this isn't the TV Wonder Woman. Look what we're going to do with her, and it does mm. that very well. Um, yeah, I but, loved the. Uh, I it did. There were moments that after she got, I loved just the moment she would. She'd been fighting Doomsday close quarters. He, you know, he beat her down hard. Her her shield goes flying away from her she's you know pr- prone on the ground and as she's sort of like you know getting up you just see this grin on her face uh which was a great way of showing just just how much of a warrior she was um i feel in that shot the film actually did uh the film did, to me this film did great service to a character who was completely unnecessary to the plot i think that's i think that's except in the way that she's visually portrayed i would agree with that i would say that that or, or certain instances of the portrayal of her the male gazy part of it I can do without everything about it. Yeah, it is, is good, except that she's unnecessary for the plot and the, the male gaze part of it. We'll brush really quick about Henry Cavill. I have nothing to say about him that I didn't have to say in the last film. He's Superman and he's questioning whether or not he should be Superman. And now he's still Superman and still questioning whether or not he should be Superman. Yeah, they didn't, dies, do, they didn't do much with this character. Yeah, he's no, no, no real arc except the arc that he's been on before. So he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am sad when he dies and I want him to come back. Um, maybe with a mustache. We'll find out. Um, yeah. uh, but, uh, but that's all. So the two characters that they're left over, the two dynamic things, uh, controversial things, um, in the film that, that I think really are interesting, whether or not you like them is of course, Ben Affleck as Batman and Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. So let's talk for a second about Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Um, coming right off the social network, playing a similar character. Um, yeah, playing what pretty are much your, the you, same you, character in many ways. 
um, what what were your thoughts of Jesse Eisenberg, both as a fan of Luthor and also as 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 his portrayal as an actor? What do you think? I I like Eisenberg a lot. Um, I thought his portrayal of this Luthor was a very good portrayal of this Luthor. Um, he was it was the right kind of irritating. Where like this Luthor is not a likable. Uh, this Luthor is not a likable character at all. Um, it's just he's you know there's a there's a bit of self entitled pissant to it. Um, I mean ultimately I would have had a lot I would have had a lot less trouble with this character if his name had been something other than Lex Luthor uh you know and I'm not you know I'm not saying there's only one true way of interpreting Lex or anything like that but it just this was the part of the film that it just seemed so much like they were like you know what let's let's do something hip and new with with Lex Luthor and like okay so if we were really envisioning him in a 21st century world then uh you know then maybe he'd be like one of these you know startup uh dot com young kids and uh, it just it it was a bold choice. I think Eisenberg did a very good job with that bold choice. I think even dialogue-wise, they did a good job with that bold choice. It's not the choice I would have made. But that being said, I think it was a Luthor was a good execution on a poor choice. With the exception of the fact, and this is really more plot-wise, and this is certainly not the fault of uh, Jesse Eisenberg, that you have no idea why Luthor is doing what he's doing. So I'm going to disagree with you um, on your criticism of the choice for Lex Luthor in that I don't think there is a right way to do Lex Luthor. Um, it's easy to conflate Lex Luthor with the Kingpin from Marvel, where the Kingpin is one kind of character. You can do different nuances of him. You can you can vary him. You can Michael Clark Duncan, or you can do uh, what's his name from from Daredevil, and they're both valid choices. But the Kingpin is always the Kingpin. Luthor has been the president of the United States, a a businessman mogul at the top of a tower, like an evil Tony Stark. He's been a supervillain in armor that that you know you know yes I'll get you Superman. Um, uh, he has been. Let us not forget. Uh, he has been Kevin Spacey as as sort of an aloof aloof sociopath he's been gene hackman as a greedy i'm doing it all to make money at real estate um i feel like lex luthor has even in visual media been portrayed in multiple different ways if you even if you don't read the comic books like the way he's being portrayed right now in supergirl um, and the way that he was portrayed by hackman which hackman was totally not the lex from the comics if you think about it um, to the way he's been portrayed in cartoons to this, I think that minus the hair, I think that th- there's so much variation on Luthor that already exists. This doesn't seem like that far away from the variations that have existed before, except to say that, okay, we're going to get a young, a young Luthor. And other than That's him being point. young, um, I think that that there is not a there is not an iconic Lex Luthor um the way that there is an iconic Joker or the way that there is an iconic you know I I do get what you're saying the idea that you can tell they're going hey let's turn left when everyone expects us to turn right um I feel like by the end you do have the Luthor that you know the guy with a grudge he does at the beginning he's just an agent of chaos but at the end he has a grudge and he will do anything to stop Superman now and mm-hmm. he is all the I, I think by the end it's the Luthor that you know um, a lot of people hated him. And if you did, that's okay. I It's one of those things where I see why you did. I understand why you hated him and why you didn't like it. I do totally get it. I think he's doing something really interesting. I think he's electrifying in this role. Talk about the screen coming alive. When he's on the screen, I am riveted. You can't walk away in the middle of one of his scenes, yeah. right? When he's doing what he's doing, you can't go, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee right now. You just can't do it. You have to see what is he's going to say next. 
Um, Love it or hate it, he demands attention. Yeah, um, and and maybe that's exactly what Luthor should be. Is he too much Joker? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little tiny bit. Maybe there's there's now maybe a sense. There's something that was very refreshing about Robert Redford in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and that he wasn't performing. He was just kind of doing his thing. I do feel like there's this there. sense in these DC yeah. the these DC movies that ah now I get to be the villain. I'm going to show you what a good actor I am now. You know that I get that, but it's mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so we get to Batfleck. Um, this film was doomed from the start, they said. The terrible inclusion. Why would you get Batfleck, 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 Batfleck? And this the, is, the, it's the, such an interesting thing, The because I remember when they first said that, I had the same reaction to it. But even today, if pressed, I cannot give you a a mental or rational reason why I thought Ben Affleck would not be good for the role. My it was oh, I can. He was he's gut, been uh, no, terrible. Well, let me say it was a purely Sorry, yeah. gut response of uh, like it was just a pure gut thing. Because here's the thing: I've I'd, I've seen him do terrible work before. I'd also seen him do great work before. Um, there was just something. My gut response, maybe based on the fact that maybe he was a little bit too uh, his archetype was a little too pretty boy in my mind. Um, but my gut response was, oh no, he's terrible for it. And and on the other side of it, my gut response is, no, he was actually quite good for it. Again, I can't actually give you full rational descriptions why. I just, like, from a purely emotional standpoint, I went in thinking he would be terrible and went out thinking I liked that quite a lot. Yeah, um, I was ready for him to be awful. Um, and then I remembered he did. You know, he's great in Gone Girl and he's great in Gone Baby Gone and he's great in Hollywoodland. And he's great in Argo. And he's pretty great in Chasing Amy. And he's, this is a guy who has done great work. He's also been terrible in most of the action stuff he's done. Um, He plays, I wonder if it's because he plays quiet and pensive really very well. Like in Argo, things like that. And for a lot of action films, you need somebody who is not quiet and pensive. I mean, you can certainly, certainly you've had action heroes who don't say much, but their presence is just very big. They fill up the screen with their aura, you know, like your Arnold's or things like that. Uh, for him, it's it's very withdrawn and introverted, and it requires a particular take on Batman, but a very valid take on Batman. Uh, you, you absolutely get the sense watching him that it's like, oh yeah, this is a Bruce Wayne who sits in an armchair staring out the window for hours, just like brooding. And also doing CrossFit. I mean, it's worth it's worth noting he is uh he is physically imposing he is Mm -hmm. huge and he is he is tall and he is incredibly muscular and and the commitment that affleck brought to becoming that i think then turns into the commitment that bruce wayne has to becoming that and there's a lot of moments that really harken to that really harken to frank miller's batman who was way yeah, the, more of a primal beast than than we normally the, see in bruce wayne the rage that he has is is um is palpable so yeah batfleck is a is a win for me so let's talk really really briefly about the big question of the film which is i think is it okay for superman to be doing what he's doing yeah i think that's really, we in were, general we, it's superman then it, it becomes the question of you know we were talking before about uh you know this it, it almost brings in the the question of the sokovia accords from the avengers is when you have a situation of you know somebody who who has abilities you know like we'll call them superheroes but even in a real life situation of somebody who is just elite beyond elite and has 
has the capability to do incredible good or incredible damage, uh, what is the better take? Is it better to just go on trust? Do you try to have as many checks and balances in place as you can? What checks and balances can you put on a superhero who could, you know, arguably wipe out half the United States military on a whim? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, there's so many questions asked, you know, I, I am haunted as, as a, as a person of faith, which I consider myself to be, I am haunted by the, if God is all good, then he cannot be, be all powerful and he's not all powerful. He cannot be all good. Um, oh I'm yeah, that is a that that, that cuts right to the quick of the vi- that cuts right to the quick. I mean, you know, theologian C.S. Lewis, a tons of other theologians have spent hundreds upon hundreds of pages uh, trying to you know figure out and explain the problem of pain of why God allows pain, yeah. and at the end, it always comes down to no one has ever come close to answering that exact question or dealing with that dichotomy of can somebody be all good and all powerful, and if so, why is the world the way it is? Well, and what's the biggest lie in America? The power can be innocent over and over and over again they drive home is it okay for superman to do what he's doing and likewise is batman justified in the argument that if there's an even one percent chance that he might turn is that justification my, to destroy him my instinctive reaction to that because i remember like when this film first came out like you were very i remember we were talking about it you were very clearly hit by that line um and it is a line that on the surface and this is my take on it it is a line that on the surface makes a ton of sense. Uh, However, my gut feeling to it is that is also a line that leads to a way of thinking that has led to a whole ton of human atrocity. Um, It is is a line that basically, it is a line that justifies fear. And justified fear, uh, it it is very easy to take an actual threat um, and justify that, but then somehow magnify the threat so that the action that you would use for that one threat, suddenly now you're applying every everywhere uh there was a and it's an also, issue of the x-men at one point where magneto is asked the the hitler question if you could go back in time and kill hitler as a baby could you do it and without hesitating he goes yes i would kill him i would kill his family i would kill his, his entire village do you know the good that that would do for humanity but of course it's a villain who would say that mm-hmm. and i think it part of it comes down to at the end all of these things uh and fear is so wrapped into this it's the question of do we have control or not and part of what we are drawn to in superheroes is because of their tremendous abilities they have so much more control over their environment um, over shaping whether something good or something bad happens but that is also what makes them scary and I think the the idea of while again it makes a lot of sense in one way to say okay let me do this one bad act or you know like or let me act on the 1% chance that he could go bad uh, in order to do good overall that is also somehow buying into the idea that oh if I just make all the right plays at the right time, then I will be able to have control over the situation. And I think far more often than not, our control is much more of an illusion than we would care to believe. And so, you know, and again, I there's no one right or wrong to this, but the act of trusting Superman is an act of letting go of control and essentially saying, well, you know, when you've got someone who is nearly godlike in that sense, there's a certain humility that comes with saying, no, there's really not much I can do about this, so I might as well trust it and hope for the best. I think that there's always that moment in the Batman TV show and the Batman comics where where a, a villain is put into jail instead of killed. Batman won't kill. He kills all the time. Batman loves killing people in this movie. 
but in 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 you know the 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 batman is usually portrayed won't kill the, his villains and there's a part of me that's always gone like you know every single person that villain kills from that point forward is on your head mm-hmm. and is is not the the hundred lives that you save by murdering the joker is that not worth your soul is that not worth you know like if you get to save a hundred people who who get to go home to their families is that not worth your self-respect um i don't know the answer to that you know it certainly ends justifying the means is 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 you know something that we talk about right now in 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 world society and world politics and all that right now is 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 okay are we willing to say and do horrible things because we like the outcomes that they bring is a is is a question that really needs to be asked and and i applaud the film a superhero film for being willing to ask that is is I think you know at least I got to give it credit for spending time on this because they could have just gone boom mm-hmm. boom bash, and they they wanted to do and say something more and I and I and I give that really, to them. What I'll also give credit to them for is sometimes the very best when you're dealing with questions of this nature. Um, sometimes the best thing you can do rather than raise the question and then answer it because you know if 3000 years worth of philosophers have not correctly have not come up with a satisfactory answer to this question your 2 hour movie is not going to um but if instead you raise the question provide some really good talking point arguments for both sides of it uh then what you've done is really suddenly it's a question that's alive in the minds of the viewer like it's the reason why we're talking about it right now uh and i really do need to give this film kudos for that uh man of steel again tried to do this and i think failed miserably um this one this one came a lot closer to the mark. Oh, okay, so let's let's wrap it up then by asking you this question on a uh, boy on a scale of one to five exploding wheelchairs. <laughs> What would you rate uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice? So my first time seeing this two years ago, I would have left saying I would rate it a three uh, because ah, that movie was better than I expected it to be. And I had a good time watching it. Yay. Uh, there's a lot of flaws to this film. A lot. Um, I would love to see, uh, you know, I think there's a million other ways you could have told this story. Um, probably one that's not quite so dark. I don't think, you know, I don't think Superman was really given that much to do in this. Uh, in general, I don't think Zack Snyder knows what to do with Superman. To be fair, it is very hard to do anything with Superman. He is a very difficult character to write well. Uh, but upon watching it again, you know what? There was a, enough that worked in it for me, plus the fact that, and maybe it's coming right on the heels of watching Men of Steel, where they mishandled the philosophy so badly. And with this one, where I'm like, actually, they did a really good job with this. Uh, I'm actually going to up it to a, I'd say this film is a 3.5 in my in my eyes. This is a tough film for me, guys. Um there's a scene in this film where Batman's in the future in a trench coat fighting army guys. And in parts of that scene, you're in the point of view of the army guys before the Batman fights them. And so they're there. Batman's not dreaming from their point of view. You're seeing their point of view, at which point then a bunch of, of aliens from the Justice League show up and it's a precursor to Apocalypse, at which point... Batman wakes up and it was all a dream that he had for some reason, except the Flash is talking to him from the future, telling him the Lois is the key, and then he wakes up again and it was all a dream because that's one of the Flash's powers. And I got done with that scene and I texted Arthur, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is terrible what's happening in this scene i can't tell you if it's a dream if it's really happening if it's a vision 
if it's if it's a vision then then why can we be outside of batman's pov at another point in the film superman walks to the top of a mountain again for reasons unknown he decides to walk to the top of a mountain and when he gets to the top of the mountain his father's there and he asks his father a question that he's never asked before his father who is dead tells him that he misses clark and then Clark asks him yet another question that Clark has never had the answer to, which his father then answers. And I'm like, well, if is this a memory? Is he hallucinating? Is he pretending? Is Why is his father able to answer questions at th- this point? And I think that it's on the heels of like what, what Zod was doing in the last movie, putting Clark with a bunch of skulls. I, I don't think that Zack Snyder understands how dreams work <laughs> and how m- memories work because it doesn't work like that. I don't know what's happening in these scenes. Um, at other points in the movie, there's 10 minutes taken out for characters to watch videos in an email up to and including a terrible video of Aquaman stabbing a camera. Um, and, and Joe Morton, fresh on the heels of creating the T-1000 back in Terminator 2, now creating a cyborg. Man can't get a break. Yeah, um, poor guy. Uh, a poor guy. Um, again, the, the Justice League stuff in this movie doesn't make sense. The future stuff in this movie, makes, or, or it, it does make sense, but it's just you're watching characters read emails and watch videos. You're watching characters watch videos. That's a problem in storytelling. Um, the, the nonsensical stuff in the middle, the, the inclusion of doomsday at the end, the, the, the ditching of any philosophical conversation, the, the too clever by half Martha thing, the, the, the man gaziness of Lois Lane, the, the man gaziness of Wonder Woman, as well as she is maybe handled from a power point of view and from a visual point of view, the, the certain decisions that that are made, um, the bleakness of the film and whether or not the film should be as it is. Why can't my kids see a Superman film? You should be able to take a seven-year-old to a Superman film. And in this film, Jimmy Olsen is shot point blank in the face. Batman is murdering people all over. The, the, you can't take, I can't let my eight-year-old see this Superman film. And that's who Superman is mostly for. And I, I don't understand those choices. So that immediately would make me give the film like a one and a half. And yet I do love the philosophical parts of this film. And I do love Jesse Eisenberg's performance. And I do love Ben Affleck's Batman. And I do love Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman as problematic as certain aspects of it are. I love Holly Hunter. And I love everything that's happening with her in the film. And I kind of enjoy watching the film. And I got to give the film kudos for trying to tackle philosophical questions it's a complicated feeling i have toward this film so if it's on one hand i want to give it a one and on the other hand i want to give it like a four and a half i'm going to settle on i'm going to settle on 2.75 for this film i'm going to go right right. down the middle it is it is a you know it is it is one of those paper plates that's divided into three sections and it's divided into four sections and half of that section is just poop and the other half of the section is gold and I guess it's sort of worth it to get the gold. It's certainly a film to watch just so you can discuss it. Um, it's a bunch of good ideas that are a bad idea. Um, it's a brutal film. It's brutal mm-hmm. and dark and the violence. I, think in I it like is, your, is, I really like your image that you've created there. Cause I think there's um, really the, in a very general way, you've summed up uh, the different ways that people rate whether a piece of art is good or bad. Some people will rate whether a film is good by how much poop it is lacking. And others will rate a film uh, with more of an eye towards how much gold is present. Yeah. And it's, it's, 
I'm enjoying the gold and I wish I didn't have the poop is kind of what it comes down to is mm-hmm. I, I like I there are elements of this film that I know why they do it. And I'm and I'm just like, why am I watching these character watches? And that that future scene. Can you te- can you I know you got to go, but can you just tell me like give me. 30 seconds what's happening in that scene i think it's meant to be a dream of him it's meant to be a dream of what happens if superman takes total control like the fact that the army uh that the you know that the that the jackbooted thugs in that scene have the superman insignia on them uh i think it's a it is a product it's meant to be a product of wayne's fevered imagination about a world where superman is given complete and total power uh and yet it's also a vision provided to him by the flash is yeah is it necessary no, and that that him being visited by the Flash also absolutely has nothing to do with this film. Shouldn't be there. But I also immediately filed that away with the whole uh, with Thor's vision of Ragnarok in Age of Ultron. Like the I worst part knowing, of Age of Ultron. Knowing that, knowing that someone is knowing that a scene is in there because the studio said it has to be in there. Uh, like it, ironically enough, that doesn't change the fact that it's poop. It is undisputably poop, but it's poop that I'm willing to just like completely forget about because I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Studio thing. That's fine. It's not but like Batman's Batman's fever dream is of aliens that actually exist. And the symbols on the ground are of dark side. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's just Zack Snyder's just, just like just, I'm going to put Justin, some stuff here. It, I'm, I'm not sure. It doesn't make sense. I, I'm going to say yes because you're being unclear. You're, you're unclear about this right now. No, I, I, I want to tell you that it makes lots of sense, and I and I enjoyed yeah. it, and they should do it more. <laughs> So, okay. So speaking of doing it more the next time I, so next time we're going to be doing justice league then, right? Yeah. Justice league, a, a Frankenstein of a film, um, that, uh, that was already kind of in, in process when Batman V Superman, Dawn of justice came out, it was supposed to come out immediately after, um, Zack Snyder suffered a personal tragedy and, whether or not that was the reason, there is a sense that given that people did not like um, Batman v Superman and the the tracking numbers for, for that movie were going to be so low, they ended up turning the film over to Joss Whedon, um, who created half of it. And what made us do this whole collection of films that we're doing is that there is a push, we'll talk about next week, to release the Snyder Cut of of justice league because that's going to be the better one and that joss's stuff was the problem i can i can tell you the joss stuff because i immediately recognize what it is watching the film but i'll tell you this after watching man of steel and watchmen and this i want you all to rethink whether or not you want the snyder cut guys because we're not loving it um I think people forget the way that they felt about these films. Reread the reviews. They're there. Next week, we're going to come to a head and dis- and, and ask, um, do we want the Snyder Cut of this film? Do we like the Joss Cut? Or should this film have been made at all? But for now, my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And hey there, true believers. Kill Super. Just murder him because he's bad and will destroy everything. That's really dark. Stay Super, everybody. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Endlight Entertainment. 